Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host for the What's Essential podcast. I'm also the author of Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, and my goal is to decode exactly how to design a life that really matters, because if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. If you're new to the show, take a deep breath. Almost everything is trivial. Only a few things are essential, and that's what this show is all about. My job is to interview, get deep really with authors, entrepreneurs, psychologists, and everyday people to help explore what's essential. Through a process of listening, unpacking, and going deep with each guest, we turn each episode into practical advice for intentionally planning and living in order to move forward. If you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty dang good. Um, you know, I have six kids, which maybe you knew, maybe you didn't. But yeah, I have six kids. We we adopted three. We have two. We've got three kids we adopted, and then we've got three younger kids. We got a two month old. So, um, so with the three, so you adopted three at first. We then- adopted three when I was doing my PhD. I did a PhD at Clemson in organizational psychology, and then. Um, yeah, we adopted three from the foster system. And then literally a month after the adoption, my wife got pregnant with twins. So we we actually, in 2018, we've adopted three and we had twins. So we went from zero to five that year. Oh my goodness. 2018 was the year. My first major book came out that year as well called Willpower Doesn't Work. So that was a, that was an interesting year. What was it like for you? Adopting the three and having the twins in the same year. And the book. And the book. What's the first word description? I'd say shock. Yeah. That feels like an honest word. I would say the launch was actually harder than anything. Launching the book was more difficult than in the other two. Why? I guess with a book launch, things can feel either successful or like a failure. Whereas with kids, it doesn't have to feel that way as quickly. I had framed it as a failure for a while because I had such high expectations. Whereas with the adoption and then, you know, ultimately the girls coming, the twins, you know, I don't really frame family in terms of failure or success, at least at the moment. And so it didn't have the negative energy associated with it. Total transformation of life. But this was all, I mean, pretty much upside but it's interesting the story of the book i wouldn't have guessed that for you the willpower is not enough was disappointing always framed that way but i can can completely relate to that feeling because you know it's all about expectation and so i guess i expected things to succeed a lot easier than they did whereas launching a book wasn't quite as easy as you know all the momentum that was going on on the blog side Because sometimes in expectation, success becomes invisible. And I mean, the fact is, you wrote a book and published a book. Well, a lot of people haven't done that. Uh, You have a successful book. A lot of people haven't done that. So it's it's an interesting tension between when you hope and aspire for something, you know, 10x, and you get 2x, uh, to be able to really embrace the 2x. And that doesn't mean that you let go of your 10x ambition over time, you know, for later that there can be a journey to something. Um, 
but that you that you don't diminish 2x achievement to zero because it's not 10x yet. Yeah, that's what Dan Sullivan calls the gap in the gain, which is a book that he and I are actually writing right now um, that's going to come out in October. But uh, what Dan says with the gap in the gain is, you know, whatever you accomplish, whatever it may be, the problem that most people have is, is what they're measuring themselves against, you know? So let's just say you get it, you, you go two X, but you're measuring yourself against 10 X, right? That's an ideal that doesn't actually exist. You know, you, and we, the problem that people have when it comes to their happiness, at least from Dan's perspective, but I tend to believe him and I, and I really like it is it's, um, it's a problem of measurement. You're either measuring yourself against an ideal that doesn't exist, or you're measuring yourself against someone else, you know, so I could be measuring myself against some other author. I could be measuring myself against, you know, if you're measuring yourself against someone else or some ideal that doesn't exist, you can't be happy. You'll always be in the gap. But if you're measuring yourself against where you were before, you know, if you did actually go 2x and then you measure yourself against where you were before, you can see enormous growth gains. And then obviously, if you're just focusing on that, then you're going to be happy because you're going to see progress. And then from your new launch point, so actually, from my my point, one of the you know a lot of people say goals are bad. I think that that's kind of crazy. The problem is is what how people measure themselves. That's why they're unhappy. I want you to give us more about that. Uh, I love the whole concept of the gap versus the gain. It seems to me that the gap produces a lot of unhappiness, and gain certainly produces more happiness. That makes sense broadly speaking. But I'm curious about. How do you set goals then when goals are, you know, at first glance, they're inherently about creating gap? Yeah, well, just as a general concept, it's if you're in the gap, you're, you're measuring yourself against something that isn't really there. You could be measuring someone else. You know, for example, I have three kids we adopted. If I'm in the gap with my son, as an example, is all I'm seeing is where he's not showing up well, you know, which there's many different places with a kid. But if I'm actually appreciating him versus where he was six months ago or a year ago and recognizing the growth, then I'm going to be seeing him more accurately. If I'm only in the gap with him, then I'm not even appreciating the growth he actually has experienced is all I'm seeing is what he's not. And I'm comparing him against something that doesn't actually exist. I'm comparing him against some ideal in my own mind. And that's pretty unfair to him. You know, and I think we do that to people. We do that. I do it to my wife do it to myself all the time. So if you're in the gap with yourself, you're probably in the gap with everything in your life, which can be depressing. Um, there's a good quote from Ernest Hemingway. He said, nobility is not about being superior to other people. It's about being superior to your former self. And so I think if you're appreciating the gains, comparing against former self and the growth, then you're actually seeing something real. I love that. It's a, it's a, it's a really important mindset shift. And one way that um, it was once expressed to me was, was this idea like don't waste one minute comparing yourself to other people. Instead, compare yourself to, you know, you yesterday. It's not other people. It's where was I yesterday? How can I be better? How can I be better from that place? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I have massive goals and even Dan would say that you need to have goals. I actually believe that you can't not have goals. I think that all human beings are actually driven by whatever they're trying to accomplish or whatever they're seeking. 
But when it comes to measuring yourself, you know, you could conceivably accomplish all sorts of goals and still be unhappy. This is not about how to be more successful. This is about how to be more happy. (laughs) Um, You know, there's people who it doesn't matter what they accomplish. They feel worse and worse about themselves because they're continuing to compare themselves with an ideal that doesn't exist. And so you need goals because those pull you forward and they give you something to accomplish. But when you actually measure yourself, you actually measure it in the form of looking at where you are right now. So, you know, just your, your example was perfect. You have a 10x goal and over six months, you actually only go 2x. You didn't quite get there. If you're in the gap, you're just looking at, okay, I, I failed. You know, you're framing it as a loss. And so everything that occurred in that 2x growth is actually negatively looked upon. You know, you can't even appreciate your own past because it actually is framed as a loss and a failure. It's more a matter of if you're comparing yourself in this way with your former self, you can actually be happy. And that's something that I don't think very many people are taught how to measure themselves accurately. One other interesting aspect, and there's just a lot of research on this, is that confidence actually comes from appreciating former gains, you know, looking back on what you did and then using that as the springboard for new and bigger goals. And so, in my opinion, not only does it enhance happiness, it would actually enhance confidence. There's a lot of research in psychology that asks, does confidence create success or does success create confidence? And at least where the psych world is, is it's probably the latter. It's looking back on what you've done that gives you the confidence that you can do something you've never done. I could so improve in this area. I keep a gratitude journal daily. I do most weeks. I'll do a wrap up of the week. And most quarters in my personal quarterly offsite, I will review and be grateful for the big gains through the quarter. Uh, And what I just described, those three things I love doing. It feels really satisfying to me. It's uh, it's one of the m- most soothing <laughs> things that, uh, you know, uh, activities, I would say, in my life. So I, I recognize what you're describing from those practices, uh, but I still think there's more. Hope. Think about someone who's struggling. It doesn't have to be like people like you and me who are, who are insanely working towards big goals. Think about someone who's just trying to move their life forward. Like, if they don't see any progress, how can they have any hope for their future? And without hope, you've got literally nothing. And there's a lot of backing on that. I just think that's, I mean, fascinating. I've got two things to say about that. The first is that I, when you distinguished me to you from other people, I do understand what you're saying, but I just feel like the person you then went on to describe. I mean, I feel... You know, I feel myself perpetually like a struggler, you know, that trying to work out the next thing to do. And so I think there's... I feel that way as well, by the way. (laughs) Keep going, though. Keep going. So that's why that's so interesting. I mean, I, I do think that this is true almost regardless. I'm sure it's true regardless of, uh, of sort of where you are. I don't know. It, 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 it just, just the principle is true, whatever you've achieved. I also love the idea that hope, which we typically think of as a future oriented thing and, and is hope for the future, hope that something will happen, hope for good things to come, that 
actually the key to it is to remember how far you've come, to remember the journey you've been on, who you are now that you weren't before. I love the idea that remembering and that perspective, and I think that gratitude too, because I think that is part of what we're talking about without that word, is actually the key for unlocking a more hopeful future. I think that's exactly right. I think any small progress, if accurately measured, should give you more hope and confidence, which would equal a bigger future. Um, There's a lot of really, really cool hope research. Um, one One aspect of it, like the psychologists would say, hope is two things. It's really three, but um, they would say it's the will and the way. So basically it's you see a bigger future and then you also see a way to get there. They call that pathways thinking. But like if you've seen that you've done something small, you might not have that path right now, but you can actually go find that path. And so I think that's a big part of it is if you, you know, I might not know how to get to my goal, whatever that may be. But because I've watched myself get through things I didn't know how to do before, I know that there is a way to get there. And so I believe I can go find it uh, or get the help I need. If you had had a gain versus gap mentality the year that uh, willpower is not enough had come out, would it have changed the experience for you? Absolutely. Yeah, because I was measuring the, the result either against my expectation or against other people who I was comparing myself to as a writer versus acknowledging how much I had just done. You know, I had just launched the book and it actually, you know, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as high as I planned or hoped or thought, but it, I learned an insane amount from the experience and I was in reality, further along than I was before the book came out. And so even though it was not where I wanted it to be, the truth is, you know, if my goal was 10x, I might have been at 2x. I was still at 2x. But because I wasn't where I wanted to be, I was not even appreciating that I had moved forward. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify. 
because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. One of my favorite little insights that came to me while I was writing my new book's called Effortless. Um, and one of my, my favorite learnings was this idea that if you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. Exactly. That's it. And, and, and if you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack. That's exactly right. And it's such a, it's such a positive, optimistic thing to just realize that in any instant, you know, literally in any two and a half second moment, came across some great researchers I was writing a book uh, about the time of now, like psychologists and neuroscientists have measured now. You know, we normally think of it as just sort of esoteric and it's philosophical and whatever, but, but actually now is between two and three seconds. So two and a half seconds, that is the actual increment of our whole existence, you know, everything else is either thinking of, you know, just a me- our brain is thinking about something that hasn't happened yet or has already happened. So it's no longer there. It's two and a half seconds, this tiny thing. And it's very empowering to realize that whatever the mood or mode or experience before this moment in two and a half seconds, just say something you're thankful for. But what a difference it makes to your own mental health, your own emotional state you go from sort of a complaining state into this into this positive uh well almost effortless state where just things suddenly look better and this conversation you and i having is is i think helping to establish why that state suddenly feels so much better you remember something good by the as soon as you're expressing it it's the past because by the time you're expressing it it has to be the past as you remember something from the past, as you remember progress, suddenly your increased confidence suddenly births into existence about the next moment. I love it. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think what uh, a concept I like is from a psychology standpoint, it's difficult to separate the past, present, and the future. Um, you know, you actually, when you're remembering the past, you're doing it in the present. When you're imagining the future, you're doing it in the present, you know? So from a psychology standpoint, all three of them exist at once. Um, I think St. Augustine said, there is no past, present, and future. There's only a present past, a present present, and a future present. Um, And so, but the reason that's so interesting is, is I think to have a positive present, you need a, a, a good past. And that's all just narrative. It's all your choice, how you frame it, you know? And you need an exciting and a compelling future. If you've got a compelling, exciting future, and if you've got a positive past, the present becomes a lot easier to manage. I do like the whole two two second concept. I've never heard anything about that. Now, while I still have you, you did another book with Dan Sullivan. Yeah, we're we're doing one every year <laughs> for a pro- for the foreseeable future. One of the books that you've already done with Dan Sullivan 
is who, not how. And I just love that concept because it's such a clear shift, if I'm understanding it right, that you need to focus not so often on, well, how on earth do I do it? But who do I need to find who can do it, who can guide me, who can mentor me, or who can actually be outsourced to because they have the capability and expertise that I don't have? Can you tell me more about Um, about that book, about that concept and why it matters so much to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we've been talking about the gap and the gain. The gap and the gain is the idea that people were not correctly taught how to measure themselves, um, which leads them to being unhappy. They're measuring themselves against something out there or something that's, you know, they're measuring themselves against someone else. Who not how is the idea. And one of the reasons I like working with Dan is because he's so clever, you know, he's been coaching entrepreneurs for like 45 years. And so he's just got these pearls, you know, I think the longer you learn something, the more simplified it becomes. And so he's just got these simplifications that are radical. Uh, As far as who, not how people were incorrectly taught how to approach their goals. So once you decide you want to do something, you usually try to figure out how it's done. You know, it makes complete intuitive sense. The first step is, okay, that's what I want. How do I get it? Um, and that mindset is very emphasized as one example in, um, traditional education, you know, in traditional education, everyone is compared on the same test. You know, no one is allowed to collaborate on the test. That would be cheating, you know? So you're not taught how to actually ask who instead you're required to do how, which leads to competition over collaboration. And so in the world of business and in the world of accomplishing lots of things, even just in the world of getting results, it's always about who, you know, even in sports, um, Michael Jordan, just being one example, he wasn't able to win any championships until Scottie Pippen came along and until, you know, Phil Jackson became his coach. And it, it was his detriment when he was so focused on how over who. And so the book is really just an invitation that as soon as you have any goal you're trying to accomplish, rather than asking, how do I do this? You ask either who can do this for me or who can help me get this result. It's really a book about results over process. You know, um, it's who can help you get the result as immediately as possible or who can just execute the task for you. There's a lot of leadership principles in this. You know, the leader defines the vision, but they don't necessarily need to execute the vision. And they certainly don't need to tell the people who are executing the vision how to do it. Um, You let the who do the how and you you just find the who. I mean, there's so many, so many key concepts in this. It's a courage game, you know, any, anywhere that you shouldn't be doing it, if you get a who, and then you trust those who's to do what they're doing, you're going to get enormously bigger results. So let's say somebody knows what they want to achieve. They're in that position that you're describing. They have spent their, uh, their time typically working on the how, trying to solve the how themselves and so on. And they say, oh, I need more who in my life. How do they? <laughs> How do they find the who? How do they find the who? You know, you're the who to help me find the how to get to the who. This well, is getting ridiculous, but that still made sense. It made sense to me. <laughs> well, it's important to realize that who, not how, actually is a how. It's a strategy, you know? So finding a who, although that is a strategy, is the fastest way to get where you want to go. So there's a lot of ways to do it. I actually, you know, there's different types of who's, you know, 
as far as if I'm hiring someone, you know, it's super important in initially. So Dan has a concept he calls the impact filter. It's just a one sheet tool, but really the purpose of it is to clarify the what and the why, you know, clarify what wants, what needs to be accomplished in as, as specific terms as possible. And why is this so important? What's it, what's at stake if we succeed and what's at stake if we fail? And then you need to just drill down what specifically does success look like? Um, the reason this is so important is because if success is not clearly defined, then you won't find the right who. If success is clearly defined, then it's so much easier to find the who because the who, you know the who knows how to do the how. They know how to get there, uh, or at least they're willing to. Um, so you need to get very very clear on the vision first. And if, in terms of hiring, that's that's the first step. That that's my how. I just clarify what is this role, what why is it so important, what's success in this role, and then I actually just let my assistant go find who's. In the case of like my team. And I don't tell her how to do it. I didn't train her how to do it because she's the who for that. So I'm not going to micromanage her. <laughs> You're telling me you don't know what she does next. I don't want to know. That would be like Dan knowing how I wrote the book. Why would he want to know? That's like knowing how the mechanic fixes my car. But I want to know because I want to be able to do it. Maybe you shouldn't be the one to do it. Maybe you should get a who to do it. It, it depends on what you're trying to do. This is also circular. At some point, I need to be able to find the right person. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone needed to finish that sentence because clearly I wasn't about to do it. Um, yes, I mean you're saying, that, you know, that there's there's always a first who. It, you know, it, it, even if you want to find other the other who's. I mean what's the way to find the finders? Uh, you're saying you've outsourced finding new people for your team to your assistant. Well, and one thing I can say is I've had multiple assistants all with radically different personalities do it and they all do it differently, but they all do it well. <laughs> um, you know, um, as, long as, they're, as long as they're very clear on the what and the why, um, you know, what this role is, why, you know, they they go out and find people for my roles. Now, let's let's give a specific let's give a specific mm. goal. I'm I'm starting a YouTube channel. I would like a million YouTube subscribers in a year. Now, this is a very specific goal. Now, I can start Is it a, is it a real goal for you? It I'm actually is, it is, but I'm just giving a goal. You know, it, it could be that you want to get a book published. It could yeah. be that you want to start a business. It could be that you want to get married. You know, whatever your goal is, I'm just going to give mine now as an example. Okay. I am starting a YouTube channel. I would like a million YouTube subscribers in a year. Okay. I could ask myself, how do I do this? Or I could say, who can do this for me? Or who is already there that I can collaborate and team with? Um, by asking how I've set myself up for a lot of trouble. Um, Whereas if I ask who, there's I've already got who's, but the first place I guess you would start is who's already where I want to be that I can immediately start learning from, um, or who will immediately start mentoring and helping me, or who I can help and team with so that they can pull me forward. I still there's a question I still want to push you on. Go, oh, I want to get it, is, get it, get it. How do you find great who's? Yeah, you know, it's not just enough to find someone who says they're willing to do a thing, you've got to find good people. That's very true. Great people. And so I, I completely subscribe to the idea that we need more who's in our lives. 
We need to know what our unique and uh, contribution can be, what our highest contribution is and isn't. Uh, I I agree that that if you can find great people who are operating at their highest point of contribution, but I still think there is a gap with finding the right people. And I'm curious about what specific strategies you have beyond, which is good and nice if you have an assistant who's capable of doing it. Uh, and that works for some people, but for a lot of people listening, they don't have that option. So th- how do they find them? Yeah, I mean, when it came to me, a lot of it has to do with research and also asking around, you know, so for example, my assistant didn't actually find my mentor as it relates to YouTube. Um, A lot of that's me studying the craft. I I went and I, I literally researched all of the top YouTubers in the channels or in the semi, you know, semi columns, I guess you could say that I'm interested in. I literally just looked up all of the top, you know, YouTubers in those areas. Um, is this is again for the mentor side. I think you have to ask, you have to ask, and it could even be starting on social media if, you know, and that's obviously not the best pool, but it could maybe point you to better pools. You know, there are hubs on the internet where people hang out or at least where you can find people, you know, but even, even when I started blogging in 2015, my goal was to get a traditionally published book deal. I probably approached it differently than you, but I, I approached it very how back then because I wasn't who not how focused. But when it came to actually the results, it was through who's. I, I wanted to know how do you get a book deal. So my so I first started reaching out to book agents and then eventually authors who had book deals or who talked about how to get book deals. In this case, it was like Jeff Goins, Ryan Holiday, Seth Godin, Michael Hyatt. These were the authors in that subject that were talking about how to succeed as a writer. And so I, I was just Googling and searching and finding these teachers but then eventually reaching out and asking them for help. Um, like I wasn't able to get my own agent. Actually, back then in 2017, Ryan Holiday got me my agent. And my agent was the one that got me the book deal. I probably could have figured out how to get a book deal without an agent, but it was a lot easier to do it through a who. So much so. Very, very much so. Uh, okay, so you're saying that at first you research and you select, you, you find experts yeah, I mean, you have to be very clear on the goal first, though. Okay, agreed. You, you, you get very clear about what you're trying to achieve. Right. This is this is essential goal for me. This really matters. I, I don't know how to do it, but I can. I, this is the goal. Then you go try to find the experts. Who are the people who have written about this, researched about it, or done it themselves so you can see the results? I definitely think that there's a lot of people who feel like, well, I don't even know how to do this, so I'm stuck from the beginning. And there's a few strategies to make that easier. Um, and one of them certainly is going and learning the best of what others know. And so that's a high leverage strategy. But also then finding people who are highly competent in a particular area um, they're just so much better at their thing. Well, do you mind if we use you as an example, Greg? Yes. Uh, I, I don't know where we're going with it, but I'm game. Always game. Whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, and I don't know what your goals are, and I don't know, think we actually need, even need to go into specifics of your goals. We're about to. Okay, we can. Uh, okay, so so I, you know, we'll, I'm launching Effortless. 
right? That's a, that's a new book. Uh, or Perfect. I'm launching the academy at essentialism.com for the first time, like a place Perfect. for people to actually, like right now, a 21-day challenge that people can take. And it's, it's specific micro actions they can take to become more essentialists. Those are two major projects that I'm launching uh, simultaneously. Which one would you rather talk about? If you don't mind, I mean, let's just literally, I just want to, my guess is, is that it's so much, who not how is a lot easier than at least in the moment we're making it feel. My guess is, you know, very quickly how to find the right who's in both of these goals to help you. You might not know who these who's are. You might not even be aware of them, but you know, quickly, I believe how to find the right people to help you with these goals. I, I believe. Let's do the Academy. Okay. Okay. So by academy, is this an online course or is this like legit, like a school year opening? <laughs> now that, that positioning makes it sound like uh, if it's anything less than an actual uh, accredited, <laughs> uh, accredited institute, that it's uh, somehow not legit. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an online learning platform. Beautiful. As explicit as you want to be, what's your goal for the academy? Um, it's explicitly would be just scale. Um, I mean, I actually don't have getting as many people into it. I don't have a number, but I ought to, I ought to. Um, but, but I mean, I would love to, let's say, let's say to have a million people as part of the community. Okay. So assuming a who, not how approach, who would you need on your team initially you don't need to know all the who's because as you start scaling, you're going to need different who's. But right now, let's just start with what's currently stopping you from being at a million people in the academy. There's two obstacles. Um, one is completing. Um, I mean, I've launched the very first thing, this 21-day challenge I mentioned. The But that's not the academy. That's just the entry point, the, the California role of the Academy, so to speak. It's just the beginning. Uh, it's a taste. Um, we tried to do it as a high-quality thing. And I will absolutely say that progress towards this goal has already accelerated so much faster because I found a great videographer, uh, because I found a, a, you know, a, a, someone who can, can write and uh, they, they didn't actually do the scripts for 21 Day Challenge, but they have helped with a lot of the other writing involved. And previously, you know, writing fell to me. Uh, and, so, and so it's been, it's just moved so much faster having a team of people, a great web developer who can have these mashup sessions where we just improve real time what we're doing and how we're doing it. So we're just learning all together. I mean, I almost would say it's a success story for the idea of who, not how right there, because having the team that's in place is already accelerating it. So that that content is sort of the first obstacle. And the second is just promotion. It's just letting people know. Uh, I mean, I have the, 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 you know, the important breakthrough moment that, um, that essentialism has now been, you know, been read by a million people and counting. And, and that's like a really important, line I never thought we would we would cross. If all of those people knew about the course, we would, you know, be a long way towards the, the, the achievement of the goal. I believe in you, uh, Greg, as a person. I know you're insanely capable, but if you were trying to do most of the work scaling this course to a million people, I would 
I would struggle with at least how long it would take. Uh, it, it might take a long, a lot longer than you need to, but if you were to find the right people, whether that be people, you know, hire someone or team with someone who's already scaled an online course to a million people and already knows how to do that, they would tell you, they would streamline your learning, obviously, enormously fast. Having, I think, at some level, the humility to just go, well, I'm not going to become a great at this. Knowing what you, you're not likely to either have an interest in or to become skilled at or to gain uh, you know, the, the unique knowledge about is, I think, the, a foundational element of what makes society possible. Uh, and so uh, to really opening our minds to who this is what you're encouraging us to do not how who not how see i literally said that phrase as if it wasn't the title of your book uh, but that summarizes of course exactly the argument you're making um any final specific strategies thoughts on who not how this episode is brought to you by la quinta by window your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. As a thought, my invitation for you and for anyone listening to this is to look at any major breakthrough you've had in your life and tell me it wasn't because there was a who involved. Um, that who could have been maybe a book you read potentially, but you know, chances are any major breakthrough that you've had in terms of actual tangible results um, probably came through a who. Um, as far as strategy, I, do, I would say there are different dimensions of who's obviously like you're, you're a product of the five people you spend the most time with. That's pretty big as it relates to like the, you know, the people you surround yourself with. Um, it's insanely subtle, but even me, you know, I've got various friends and I can just tell the subtleness of how they're rubbing off on me either for good or for bad. Um, and so I think that that's insanely important. But one of the messages of the book is actually the crucial importance of being a who for other people. You know, like, what is the crucial role that you play in various people's lives? You know, I'm a who to my wife. You know, I'm her husband. I'm a who to my kids. You know, there's certain things that I can do for them that um, hopefully make their lives better, you know. Um, So it's not always about finding who's. In a lot of ways, it's about in what vision or in what goal do you need to be a who? to whether it be to support someone or to support some cause. But I think the the key key aspect is is an alignment of goal. You know, if there's a clear alignment of goal, then then you can probably find the right who. <laughs> I'm very confident in who not how. It's easier to revert to how, which generally leads to procrastination. When you make a commitment and find a who or bring a who on, first off your commitment increases cuz generally there's a higher level of investment. Um, even if you're not actually paying the person, there's two people now involved in the goal or more. Um, but when it comes to team building, when you invest in a who, and you do need to see it as an investment, not a cost, even buying an online course, you know, um, learning from Greg McEwen, that's a great who. But like, you don't want to see that thing as a cost, but as an investment in yourself. By, by me not answering my emails, 
I'm now able to write more or make more YouTube videos or something like that. You know, so like by me not dealing with my schedule, I don't have to lose my flow and my focus. Instead, like, you know, we've made the filter and the decisions can be made for me. By me not editing those videos, I can make more or I can learn more. I can read more books. And so you always want to see it as an investment in your own self and also in your future self. But also when you make that investment, then your commitment immediately increases in that goal. Uh, Investment or commitment generally follows investment. It's a leap of faith to put who's into your life, but it increase, but it immediately increases your, your commitment and your capacity to achieve what you want to do. Yes. I think that there's two paths to getting there. What mentally, one is that you say, oh, it cannot be done anymore. You know, I'm literally up to the limit. Like there's no more non-essentials to be stripped from life. And there's no more of me to give it. I mean, this is the pain point. I think a lot of people come up against, although frankly, you could come up to that pain point and still not shift to who you just still think the answer is more how I've got to work harder. I've got to do more and so on. So the pain doesn't necessarily make the leap because it's a, it's a mental leap that needs to be made, uh, not more within the same paradigm. And, and, and I think the second shift is just to, is just to recognize yeah, how, how precious and valuable our lives are and how, how this whole strategy isn't lazy and it doesn't have to be uh, for someone who's in, a, in a, an entitled position. It's just recognizing that we need other people and that, uh, and that it's okay to need other people and it's okay to not know exactly what you want from them at first, but talking to other people and just allowing your strategy to change from, I've got to do this myself, it's all on me, to, hey, we're all in this together, and I need lots and lots of people to help bring about this vision that I have. Benjamin Hardy, it has been a delightful conversation. Uh, For me, time well spent. It's great to have uh, you as a who in my life now, uh, and, and to be a who in yours. Uh, thank you very much for being on the What's Essential podcast. Yeah, thanks for letting me be here, Greg. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, 
and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.